What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. We're a bit late to the party here. It's been a while since we've recorded, but uh, we're going to be talking about draft night. We're going to be talking about some of the big trades that have gone down over the past week. But we'll also be taking a quick look at uh, some of the future possible trades, some teams that need to be making trades, some teams that possibly should be sellers in the current market. You may have heard it all before, but we're going to go a little bit more in-depth. We've had a little bit of extra time, so we've done a bit more research on uh, certain specific things, especially about the draft night. So please continue to listen, and remember, you like what you're hearing. Please subscribe and follow. Do that, and we'll keep providing that content. Chris, what's up, man? How are you? Yeah, doing good. And, you know, disclaimer, we we are a few days away from the draft, but I, I think it's a, it's a good time. We get to have some better thoughts about these guys, get some looks into to who they are. I think things really come into place once you realize the vision that some of these teams have had. And it, it's exciting to, to take a look now at the future of these players. And we're coming up on a free agency at the end of this week, officially opening. Um, and it seems pretty quiet, which is interesting. So there's a good space to be in. There's not a whole lot of news right now. Uh, give give a little bit of a of a you know Monday morning quarterback view of the draft, but I'm I'm pretty excited. I want to I want to talk first here uh, uh, about fit, and this is something we always talk about every year. It's like okay, we you look at the best player available, draft the most talented guy. We were always talking about talent, talent, talent. Figure it out later. But I think what we've seen uh, over the past few years is yes, that is still the smart move. But you look at guys who were drafted into the right position. You look at guys that are drafted into the right situation and how successful they've been. Uh, a lot of guys like um, Desmond Bain, guys that maybe they weren't the highest draft pick, but perfect situation for them. Um, guys like Halliburton, the kind of situation that he got into, perfect for him. Um, so I want to go over our top five ranking, maybe not in any particular order, but five guys that um, I think, and we'll hear it from you as well, uh, were the best fits from this draft. And my one asterisk to this is guys not named Wemby because, man, more more interviewing with, with uh, Webb and Yama, I just have to say, uh, I'm just so impressed with who he is as a person, not just um, him as a player. And I think his personality and, like, his whole uh, mindset really fits well with Pop. So we, we won't put him here. But I'll, I'll ask you, what, what's one guy that comes to mind for going top five best rookie fits if we're ranking? of uh, this draft. I mean, you go a simple one, one that we talked about before the draft is, is uh, Jarrett, Jarrett Walker in, in Indiana. I think that's, that's one that, that stuck out to me straight away. And they even managed to make that pick while also picking up a second rounder with the, the move that they made on draft night. So, I mean, they did exactly what they needed to. They brought in a guy that can have an instant impact on defense. He's a guy, he fills the position that the, the Pacers desperately needed. And if his three-point shot actually comes to fruition, that's a guy that's going to be a key piece for this this Indiana team moving forward as they look to move into being a playing team and then a playoff team. Yeah, no, absolutely. I would have thrown him in the in there. I didn't have he was. I, I probably kept him out because he's. Uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit later about players we think are going to see the most playoff minutes. So spoiler alert: he made it there. So I felt bad putting him on two lists here, but definitely high up there. Um. I'll, I'll start off by saying, for me, Brandon Miller. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's been a lot of, and it's a draft where Scoot Henderson has got all the hype. Brandon Miller may have gotten more hype if he didn't have uh, the kind of ending that he had to the tournament. Pretty quiet ending. But 
you really look at what he brings to the table to Charlotte and what they need and what especially LaMelo needs, I think he's really the perfect co-pilot. You're looking at a guy that at 6'9", is a shot creator, has not even grown into his body yet, is a very strong rebounder, has great defensive potential, and just like all the things that not only you'd love to see alongside LaMelo, but also, you know, Steve Clifford is coming in there to form a defensive identity. I think that's a guy also that, you know, he's getting drafted into a situation where he can grow, and he's really going to match what that team likes to do, get out in the get out in the open and finally have another guy who I think is capable of creating his own shot. I, I think that, you know, this is in no order, but I think that's that's among the top of my of my fits. And he's not getting enough love, I think, as a, as he should, despite being a, a top five pick. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think a lot more people are kind of thinking, oh, now like dude's got that chip in his shoulder. They had he wasn't the 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 pick the second pick and different things like that. People have looked at it more that way and thought maybe it was a mistake by by the Hornets. But like we discussed beforehand, Scoot and Lamelo may have may have ended up clashing a little bit in terms of personality and that and and, and fit wise as a whole. Not to say they couldn't have worked together, but I think it was the right move by Charlotte. And again, he's another guy that. The what we see, the potential that's there, if that continues, that comes to fruition, that's a great that's a great matching piece for, for Lamelo Ball. That's no doubt. Those are two guys that you could definitely build a playoff competitor around. All right, who's your next who's your next in your top five? I I guess you gotta say it's Scoot, considering the fact that really? Port- Portland seem to believe and Dame seems to believe that they can build a contender with Scoot <laughs> Henderson as part of this team. Dude, so, that, that's so funny you put that. I, I, in my notes here, I just have, I, I don't have them anywhere. Like we're, when we're doing, when we're classifying rebuilding teams slash like teams that are like trying to figure things out for you. I, I just have Dame, Portland, question mark, question mark, question mark, Scoot, question mark, question mark, question mark, dot, 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 question mark. I, I, I didn't know where to classify them as a team because they're such an unfinished product. I don't know where that's going to go. And I think it's funny you put them there. They're the you, triple you zero, it... man. They're the triple zero. That's going to be their new nickname. The two of the so, two are going to dominate together. But I mean. Okay, so answer this then. Do you think that they can play with each other? Realistically. If Dame says, yep, I'm, I'm in. You know what? I don't I don't care. I'm 10 toes down. 30 in a row, say it. <laughs> Absolutely. I think Scoot Henderson's obviously a guy that I think he would probably prefer to be coming into a situation where he can just instantly be the guy and, and the whole offense and the whole team is built around him. But I think if he gets the kind of the, the ups from, from dames, like, all right, I'm going to, I'm good. I, I'm ready to play with you. I think he's going to be able to adapt his game. He, that little bit of pressure will be off and he can have a, a really subtle, probably not a, subtle, a massive impact. Maybe he won't be a guy that you're looking at as maybe rookie of the year because he's playing in a team looking to compete and he's maybe not getting as much of the ball as he would have liked. But I think he'll be able to have a nice subtle impact on this Portland team who appear to be pushing to build a team that's capable of being in the playoffs next year. Yeah. Um, and we won't get too far into Portland, but I think it's interesting you brought it up because I think... Uh, you know, I, I love the optimism. And I, and I think there's absolutely a world in where that works. I think there'll be, you know, there's so many situations where uh, I'll I'll bring OKC as an example, where it's like you bring in Chris Paul, you have Shea, you have Dennis Schroeder. Where, where's the ball going to go there? But you end up working in a, a three-guard system. And, you know, that that worked. They, they got to the playoffs. Um, and 
I, I don't know if that's you know a direct translation for what the Blazers can do. I just see a lot of mouths to feed, and I don't, I don't even mean that in a negative way. Um, and I try not to do that too often too, because I feel like a lot of people just get stuck up on what players can do on ball, because a lot of players have great off ball uh, things that they can do. I just don't know how much we've seen with Scoot. Maybe that that's that's a skill that he has that he hasn't channeled, and that would be interesting to see him do that. We did we have seen Shaden Sharp uh, being off off ball guard. And, and what he's been able to do that using his cutting and his athleticism, you can definitely see that with uh, Scoot as well. Um, there's just so much untapped potential that you don't just have with Scoot with him on the ball, but also Anthony Simons. When Dame was out, what Anthony Simons was able to do with the ball in his hands, with the volume he could do, with the playmaking as well. Shane Sharp there too. I, that's that's why I have so many question marks on that team because there's talent on the Blazers. There's assets on the Blazers, a massive one now with Scoot, um, an even bigger one with a future Hall of Famer who – may or may not get traded um so it, interesting you put that there i mean that that's that could be that could be a very weird like what are they doing type of thing like at the beginning of the season that everyone's like wow they did nothing and then you get an exciting team with a mix of youth and a mix of uh veteran leadership and maybe that maybe that becomes a, a fun situation we'll, we'll bookmark that take and, and see how that ages we won't bring it up if you're completely wrong though we never do <laughs> i'll bring up uh the Thompson twin and not the Thompson twin, not, not amen Thompson that everybody talks about. I'm talking about Oscar Thompson who went to Detroit. Um, and you love to see that they went back to back, that it wasn't amen. And then, uh, Oscar just waiting around like Detroit wanted him. And I think they got a, an amazing fit there. And the way I see it is two things. One, I mean, just as a cutter, him and his brother, we, we know the athletics. If, if you've looked at the tape, I mean, these guys are insanely athletic. Him as a, as not just a a cutter, but being in the open floor, and him as a passer, he's not as good as an on ball passer as Amen. I think Amen's a has more point guard skills than Osser, uh, but Osser's a tremendous lob passer. He's a guy that you know he could be a great connecting piece for this team, and that that is that part right there. I think is huge. He's going to come into a team where you already have Jaden Ivey, you already have Cade, and Osser is used to being an off ball guy, but being also a great passer and knows how to work into the flow of the offense. So with that shot coming along, I think that's going to be a tremendous fit there, uh, just bringing more athleticism to to a really growing, burgeoning team in Detroit. Yeah, obviously, uh, just to mention, it's just, just amazing to think a pair tw- twin brothers going back-to-back in, in the it's top amazing. five of the draft. Like, that's that's just unbelievable. It's great great for them, great for their family. And then and to, to see the fit for, for both of them is great as well. I think we'll talk a bit on Houston further on, but... Yeah, I think I'd agree. I think I like that fit. And I think uh, I definitely like uh, his off-ball ability. I think that's an, an important asset that the, the Detroit really needed to add. They kind of had enough guys that are going to be ball-dominant, that are going to be taking a lot of the shots. To, they needed a guy like like a, a Acer that, that to really get in there. And it's a nice it's a nice piece. It's going to be interesting to see how this how this uh, Detroit team comes together under Monty Williams. They're definitely one of the more yeah. interesting teams to watch this year, this season as as a, as a rebuilder for sure. Yeah, and and on that on that point with Monty, um, he, he did a fantastic job developing Cam Johnson. Uh, I, I think Mikhail was going to be that good defensively, anyways. But uh, Cam Johnson became a great defender in Phoenix and Oscar Thompson is, I mean, that's all over the scouting report, how committed he is defensively um, on ball defense, off ball. He's, he's a little bit more intelligent there. And I think that having Monty Williams as head coach and 
being coachable guy that that also is is part of why i think he's a top five fit here yeah, and, yeah for uh, sure. i definitely yeah. agree on that we got a few more Let, let's let's rock through the two else we got what other big fits we have here quick one not not too high but i i, I like grady dick in in, uh, in toronto yeah i think yeah. that's a that's a smart smart move i think he's in it toronto at, the, at this moment they're their team that already have a, a very decent uh but a defensive makeup and they that it won't be too much pressure on him there. He can just go in and make his shots and he can have a really positive impact there in Toronto. Oh yeah. That that's massive. They needed a guy that was going to um be an aggressive shooter, a great shooter, uh very smart off ball movement, and he checks all those boxes. He just if you ever turned on a Raptors game last year, unless they were just creating havoc and getting an open court and uh, oversizing guys in the paint. You know, they just had no one to shoot. And especially if you're losing Fred Van Vliet, I have Brady Dick here too. Great. That, that made things easier. I got two names here. Uh, you may know them. You may not know them. I will be honest with you. I did not do – I heard one of these names before, but did not do a whole lot of homework on them. First name we'll get into a little bit later when we talk about Dallas is Derek Lively. A guy that, you know, his stats aren't going to jump off the page – uh, especially not from his first season at Duke, but after his second season, clearly best shot blocker in the country. He's 7-1. And not just 7-1, but he also has tremendous instincts, great instincts, seven foot six wingspan as well. And what did they need? They needed a guy who was going to be a great rim runner and who was going to protect the paint, like true size, athletic, true size on the Dallas Mavericks. And they got that. And they got that. For a guy who doesn't have any skills putting the ball on the floor, fine. You don't need to. You got Kyrie Irving, you got Luka Doncic, and you also have a team that just got another big. You have uh, Rashawn Holmes there to, to back him up. He doesn't have too much expectations. So I think in, in limited time, I, I think you you put a guy like that on a team with Luka and with Kyrie, real great passers, all-time great uh, playmakers, and he's going to be able to thrive with uh, the open lanes that he'll have. Um and second name, yeah, I like that. Uh, um, Brandon. Oh man, I've been I've been practicing this, and now I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna choke. Pajimski, yeah, Pajimski, I got it. See, yeah, I should have trusted myself. Brandon Pajimski. Uh, the Warriors got the best shooter in the country, and I mean that that should be the end of the headline there. Forty four percent catch and shoot, 42 percent off the dribble, and he's a great rebounder, almost uh, eight rebounds per game, straight out of Santa Clara. Uh, I think Steve Kerr got himself a great rotation, a guy who, you know, if the Warriors are down a shooter, I mean, you slot this guy in, he's an absolute flamethrower. That That's that's a tremendous fit for a team that values so much shooting to get the best shooter in the country. Yes, a team that basically changed changed the the way with the, the game is played with the three-point shots going at a yet another elite three-point shooter. I mean, how can, you, how can you not love that fit there? That's just them. Warriors are just such a well-run franchise, aren't they? They always get they always get the good guy. Yeah, and who knows if any of these guys will be playing major minutes in the playoffs? We know probably not Charlotte, probably not Detroit, and if Bajinski's playing minutes in the playoffs for the Warriors, I don't know. But I'm curious: Are there any guys in here? And I, I definitely think this because of what we saw from Christian Brock for the Nuggets. How many minutes he played? A true, true contributor an eight-man rotation for a championship team. Any of these guys uh, with his first round or second round that you think will play the most playoff minutes? Who do you think can play the most playoff minutes from this draft? 
this is this year it's gonna to be tough. I mean, if you're looking at it, you gotta say if Scoot Henderson is not the answer, Portland gone fucked it again. <laughs> but uh I look at someone the guy I was touting up before is is Kobe Bufkin. I think the mm. Hawks the Hawks need to have a good year. There's a lot of pressure on them to have a bounce back year after the debacle that was last year after uh, trading for DeJounte Murray. They've got rid of John Collins. We'll get into that later. I think he could have a positive impact off the bench with that team. And I think he could make a, a really decent impact as an off the bench scorer. Not that he'd be the lead guy too often. You think that there's always going to be either DeJounte or, or Trey on the floor. But if you're looking at a team that need to have a big run this year that need to be in the playoffs this year, that's Atlanta. And if Kobe Bufkin can show some of the stuff that got me excited about him, I think he could have a, have a good impact there. That's interesting. The six man They they, they do need like that. That would mean, that would mean some things for Bogdan, but yeah, I, I mean, I think he was Bufkin for me is one of the fringe sleepers in terms of like guys that, um, I think have the the shot creation ability to jump out the page if it translates. But these players it doesn't always translate. You know that 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 confidence level, the the physicality level, the intricacy of, of playing in the NBA that that these shot creators don't always translate. But there there are those guys that you know they're they're gonna ball no matter what. And Bucket is a bucket, so that that could that's an interesting pick. I was not thinking him. Um, I already said Jarris Walker because I think the Pacers can definitely make the playoffs. And I think if they make the playoffs, it means they made a big jump in defense and follow the math. If they made a big jump in defense, I do believe that while rookies don't typically make big impacts defensively, he's the kind of guy that in their scheme definitely could. Um, and I think the obvious answer is Webb and Yama. <laughs> so that, that's, that brings me to a big question here is the Spurs as it's currently constructed and without making serious, crazy superstar type moves. Maybe they make veteran moves. You know, this, let's say they just fill out the core. They fill out their their major needs with with solid rotation players. Do you think the Spurs make the playoffs next season? Ink it. It's 4.04 p.m. Eastern time, June 27th, 2023. Ronan Are we going to see the Spurs in the playoffs next year? No. We're not. No, there, okay. There's, there's too, I will not have much, the most playoff minutes. There's too much <laughs> there's too much talent in that Western conference. I, he'd have to come in and be like rookie Kareem. Like he'd like he'd instantly have to come in and be that without doubt to even get them close. And even that that they'll they'll still have to go at least through the play in to get there. I think there's too much they're they're definitely not finishing top six in the Western Conference next year. No mm. no way. Okay. So do you think he could potentially have a better rookie season than Tim Duncan? So this is the same Tim Duncan that averaged. Well, I, I won't I won't say I won't say the numbers first. I'll let you answer first. Just gut feeling. Yeah. He has to better. I mean the pressure is like look at like what they did to get him, the 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 noise around him, the the size that he has, the ability that he has. Of course he can, and he pro- probably he probably should. Maybe he won't have the same level of impact on winning that that Duncan did, because obviously they already had Robinson and they already had probably a better overall team around them when when Duncan came in. But I think for sure, I think in terms of an individual season, I think absolutely he can he can have a better better rookie year than Duncan. 
let me let me let me throw you his stats then because I, I i think that that would have changed my mind if i just look at numbers but this is how insane tim duncan's rookie year was for the spurs and i if i'm remembering correctly i think the spurs were they were supposed to pick out of the top five and they jumped to number one to get duncan that year but 21.1 points per game 12 rebounds 2.7 assists played all 82 games I, I this has to be a typo, but he averaged 39 minutes a game as a rookie. That that I don't see how that's possible. But and looking at blocks per game, 2.5 blocks per game. Shot 55% from the field. So you think Wemby's gonna top that? I mean, he he can. I mean, he dude should be yeah. blocking seven shots a game. Look at the size of him. <laughs> I mean all the elements are there. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to play down how great Tim Duncan's rookie yeah. year was, but the elements are there for for Webinyama to go and 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 exceed that. Even even if he matches that, that's a great. That's a, that's still a good rookie year. But obviously, there was hype around Tim Duncan. There wasn't anywhere near the hype that there is around Victor Webinyama coming coming out coming out of the draft. So yeah. they're, they're, I think I still believe that he he can go and and, and match that and even better it. All right, we we heard it. We heard it here first. At least the three point shooting for sure. Um, I'm I, I'm in on it. I'm in on it. Um, and just talking about playoff minutes, I I wanted to to um, do we talk about these guys? This is this is what happens when you're in between the draft and free agency. I'm I'm looking at tape on Julian Strother, Jaden Pickett, and and Tyson, <laughs> Denver Nuggets draft picks, but. I just I wanted to bring this up because we're talking about uh, teams or players that are going to see the most playoff minutes. We're talking about fit. We're talking about all these things, and I think maybe this is a little bit more team centric, uh, scouting centric. And, and we've been doing a lot of shout outs for the Nuggets, and for all the right reasons. This is a, there's a reason why they have Jokic, why they have Murray, why they have MPJ, why they have all these players on the team because if they're making the right moves. Now we see Bruce Brown be a perfect fit there, but unfortunately may not come back because he uh, declined his player option. So what do the Denver Nuggets do? In the middle of the championship, I, th- this has never happened before. A championship play, uh, team is making moves in the middle of the championship. They get three picks, uh, two, two, second, two seconds that are pretty much in the first top 10 of the second round and one late second. They trade up, get Julian Strother, seven, six foot seven, pure shooter, Shoots forty two percent on NBA threes. Jaden Pickett, uh, and he's got shades of of Jalen uh, Jalen Brunson, and he's a veteran player. He's twenty four years old, averaging seventeen and seven. I mean that that's that's a, a guy you can get in the rotation. You got another guy, Tyson, a fluid six nine shooter, smart cutter. They got guys who are who are geared up who can contribute to this team. And I mean that that's got to be exciting for a team like the Nuggets who you just won a championship and they're already looking to extend their window. They're already looking to bolster their roster through the draft, which is going to be huge in this next CBA. But I I couldn't help but just give a shout out to the, the Nuggets and getting more potential contributors like their Christian Braun. So uh, yeah, leave, leave that at that. I, I don't think anyone is is drafting better than the Nuggets right now these past couple of years. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're they're right up there. They 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 they're getting into that mold of of winning of of championship runs of understanding that they there always has to be that backup there. It's not just about getting those guys in. You always have to be working. You always have to be making deals. And they're uh, 
they're they're doing all that and more, and it's uh, it's good good signs for the future for the for this Denver team. Yeah, and and on that note, a team that I think did a little bit better than they usually do. Um, how'd you feel about the Mavs? We we talked about uh about lively, but they were pretty active on draft night, and I thought they did pretty well. Yeah, I was surprised. I, I thought they would end up. I but we both thought maybe they were, they would look at trading the pick, but I think lively was the main one that I looked at, and he could be. If he really comes to fruition, like he could be like a building block for this team. They're looking for kind of their their player to build kind of their defense around. They haven't really got that. If he can really develop in the next two, two three years, he he could definitely become that. And if he gets the right motivation, if he's in the right put in the right situations, he can have an instant impact within that team. So I think just him on him alone, they did did much better than I was expecting. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, and uh, not not only him, they also get uh, um, Olivier Prosper in the 20s, I think it was 24, and this guy's huge. Uh, Mavs fans looking at it, like, this guy's massive. He's a long, huge, he's switchable wing. He's a really, really good cutter. He's one of the best finishers in this draft, um, shot 65% at the rim, and again, another guy that really fits what they're trying to do um, defensively. They badly, badly need switchable wings, especially after getting off of Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, getting him in the mix, you know, he could be a, a rookie type of guy that's contributing right away. Um, and then in the fast break, you know, he's really a demon in the fast break. They they need more guys who are going to push the pace. Him, Josh Green, uh, you know, maybe they're getting a little bit more out of uh, out of uh, Jaden Hardy as well next year. But they they. They're getting, they're injecting some youth here, and I, I think that's important. Inject some youth alongside uh, Luka Doncic. Be a little bit patient here. Um, I think, I think they did well to invest their picks wisely, and I mean they were able to get off Bertans too. They just created a seventeen million dollar uh, TPE. We'll see if and how they can use it. Um, it it seems more complicated than ever how these uh, how these CBA rules work. But and then also getting uh, Rashawn Holmes. I mean that you just got a starting caliber center right there alongside a high upside defensive uh, center, rim runner center, uh, a rim runner starter in Holmes. Uh, he's going to be great. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of times where there is nobody to really score uh, in the in-between game uh, in the short roll. And Rashawn Holmes can do that. You know, there's, there's no game that you really have with, uh, with Maxi Kleber or with uh, Dwight Powell if you're just cutting off the rim, like they they don't have a floater, they don't have a mid-range shot. And Rashawn Holmes, he has a floater game. And that that little wrinkle there, I think is going to be important and uh, just how many different things they can do with Luca. But, I mean, all things aside, getting those names on the roster and getting a $17 million TPE, they must be uh, feeling pretty good after draft night. Yeah, I think they, they're in a better position than they were before. And that, that's always big for a team that have got a superstar of a generational talent in Luka Doncic, who had a dreadful year last year and need a big response. And rather than desperately trade the pick and maybe not get a piece that's really going to have an impact, they, they worked it smartly. And I think they, they, uh, they, they, they definitely came out shining and, and, and smiling as much as anyone after draft night, I would say. Yeah. Um, and our last pick here, I want you to tell me what was the pick in the draft that you were like most surprised by, most shocked by? Like what what had you with your jaw on the floor? I mean, 
Cam Whitmore going at number twenty was was just Ooh, crazy. Yeah, I mean, that, I was shocked. We like he was. We were looking top five, maybe even pushing the realms of to- of top three. This guy, and then all of a sudden he's dropped to number twenty. The Houston Rockets get the two most explosive athletes in the entire draft at number four and number twenty. That is absolutely insane. Like I said before, he pretty much has an equal chance of being a star in this league as much as a bum. But yeah, maybe something went on. Maybe maybe the what guys were seeing in workouts or or they got a bit deeper on the uh, on the analysis of him. Maybe we'll see that come to fruition now, and he won't uh, he won't be that that guy. But in terms of just on paper, the fact that he dropped so far was was absolutely insane to me. When I saw that him at number twenty, I my I was absolutely shocked. Yeah, that that is it, it's interesting for a guy like him because he's a guy that shot up the uh shot up the draft rankings pretty late um and i, I think the the talent level is, is undeniable but I, I wonder how much of it you know some people talk about the the interview process um apparently the medicals i mean that's not something that is publicly known so you don't know how that looks look at michael porter jr maybe there there is uh there's something similar to that that aspect but you just look at some teams that pass on him um, I think as of recently, Pacers have proved that they're pretty good team at drafting. Um, Thunder, pretty good team at drafting. Raptors, pretty good team at drafting. Pelicans have done great their drafts. Jazz passed on them twice. Mm. That do you do you trust the talent evaluation of uh, of Danny H? Um, even the Lakers, that one, that one was really interesting. Late when Lakers. Heat and Warriors all in succession passed on Cam Whitmore. That made me thinking, huh? Because that was that was like that was like the no way trio for me. I was like, there's no way that that I mean even the Jazz, the second chance, like no way Jazz are gonna pass on an explosive wing like that. No, no way late, no way the Lakers are gonna pass on that. No way the Heat are gonna pass on that. No way. So I'm I'm really curious what it is. Um and I, I guess if if you're to really just kind of Read between the lines. Imi Udoka definitely has his work cut out for him. Um, that was a surprising pick. Um, what, what mine, about you? What was yours? Yeah, uh, when I think Bilal, um, God, some of these names strapped. I Kulabali. Yeah, I got Kulabali. I feel good about that. Kulabali. Nobody yeah. fact checked me. Yeah. That sounds good to me. But he's the kind of guy that you know when we when we first covered him a little bit, um, definitely seems interesting the more i think about the idea and i think the more you harp on the the skills at his size and the fact that he's growing i i've heard somebody make this comment about him and this is why that i think the it went from a surprising pick to me really thinking hard about what the wizards are trying to do they they took in their first real um rebuild mode draft the biggest swing in the draft that's what this was um so surprising maybe not because you might as well swing for the fences when you're in the late lottery but Bilal Kulabali I mean a guy who was I should know this 6'3 in 2021 grew to 6'6 uh I think last last year and then now he's 6'7 6'8 with a 7'2 wingspan I mean that 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 physical profile at the guard position and you know that the fluidity that he has 
when you start to look into his tape more, I think you start to see the the home run potential. And I think that's a surprising pick for a couple reasons. One is I, I think that the Wizards have been pretty safe when they pick. They they take pretty safe guys. Danny's a pretty safe guy. Rui was a was kind of a, a safe guy to pick. Um Kispert was a pretty safe guy to pick. Um and they took a massive swing. But I think uh you, you just look at what they're doing here. We'll talk about it a little bit. I, I think it's it's the right move. The Wizards did a lot of right moves over the past uh few weeks and maybe that is a combination that's a little microcosm of the the pick that they made there so I'm, I'm pretty excited for that pretty excited to see what he looks like in washington yeah he's going to be an interesting one i think he's one that there wasn't a whole lot of noise on but there was also the the murmurs that this guy could be the the ultimate steal of the draft as well it kind of went uh went both ways so i think yeah i think that's an interesting pick not that it's the overly surprising where where he went but more so just the fact that this could be the, the the Wizards taking that home run swing and it could be a start of something fresh out there in Washington. Yeah, and in typical fashion, I, I did not finish one of my thoughts in between saying that. But the, the thing that I'd heard that really piqued my interest was the sleeper part, is that he is kind of like a, a Giannis in a way. He's a, he's a guy that, you know, shot up pretty quick in the in the draft. And he's a guy that people are pretty enamored by his his size and his growth that he's he's still growing who knows when he'll stop growing he's still young he's still 19 years old um so I, that's obviously he's not going to be honest but when you got a guy with guard skills that is still growing that is that shows that they can do a lot more i think they got a pretty good buy low um but we talked about a lot of these guys i'm glad we finally got away from the uh we were able to make some good content with besides Web and Yama. This is a deeper draft than I think people realize. A lot more wings in this draft, a lot of contributors, and a lot of rebuilders in this draft. So what I want to do right now, I'm going to give you the teams that I, I'd say we'd agree are definitely rebuilding slash maybe finishing a rebuild. And I want you to put them into tiers for me. So our first and our lowest tier, quote-unquote, still a ways to go tier, and we got our second tier, the fringe playoff slash playing teams. They're, they're going to try to be good, but they won't be totally tanking. And then we got our playoff slash play in contenders right now. Next season, they're going in and they're going to be going for it and they might get there. So I'll give you I'll give you some easy ones first. Rockets, what tier are they? They're probably, they're probably B tier. They're, they're, I wouldn't still say there's still a ways to go, but I, I wouldn't say that they're they're ready to to take the step into play in playoffs either. I think they're in a great spot now. I think they're okay. a team where you'd say they they kind of have like a core of like six young really young players and they could ultimately give it a year or two and then they'll they'll know like the two or three that are there to to build on. So I think they're in a great position but not ready to take that play uh, the playoff play and jump. Fringe, so you're going to call them fringe, and I'll, I'll kind of uh, give an example. A fringe, I would say, is kind of like what the kind of like what the Pelicans were last year. I'll call fringe. them that. Are you, are you going to call them fringe? fringe. They got, mm. they got, they've got Emi Yadoka in there. They've okay. got a couple of guys that have got a few years under their belts that are going to be ready to improve, and they potentially have drafted another two great guys. I think you're going to see Sangoon take mm-hmm. another step. 
Mm-hmm. Hopefully, Jabari Smith has a has a bit of a turnaround after a difficult mm-hmm. rookie year, and obviously Jalen Green again. He's there's pressure on him to take a big step this year too. Okay, I I, I like it. Um, for me, they were a no brainer, bottom tier, still a ways to go team. Um, and I think I I believe in the talent long term for sure, but I think they're I mean they're still a ways to go for me. I, I mean maybe Udoka has a. I mean, are you counting on Udoka's impact? Is that is that what's the difference maker for you? That's 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 that big difference. It together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I could, I mean I could see it. if if they are in that position, I won't be like floored because I, I believe in in the difference that he's made in a Celtics locker room. We've seen that, um, we've seen the respect that he has, and we've seen the talent that these players have. Um, it, it's ironically there's just so much too much talent on this team, too much young talent. Um, I'd be I'd be fascinated to see them culminate a a real identity right away to the point where they're they're French. I, I like you no, know, I like that. All right. Maybe not so easy. So what about this one? Charlotte. What tier are you throwing Charlotte in? I guess you gotta give them fringe. If I'm giving Houston fringe, I gotta go there too because obviously Lamelo <laughs> Lamelo is a really talented guy. I think he'll be looking at being an all-star in the in 23-24. Okay. I think that's that's his next level to go. I think Miller can come in and have it have that sort of instant impact. I guess it's just what they do from here and what the roster looks like when we're getting towards the start of the season. There's still moves to make for them to really be kind of challenging around the playing uh, side of things, even in the in the Eastern Conference. So they're kind of hovering around the uh Still a ways to go, fringe sort of zone there. I, I I'm not ready to make a commit. call there. You gotta commit. All right, still a ways to go. Still a ways to go. I also have them still a ways to go. Steve uh, Clifford is there now. We'll see how serious they get on defense, but there's there's just too many questions. This was a lost season, and we'll we'll see what happens next year. And Brandon Miller, as much as I like, I picked him highest for fit. But for me, that's a long-term fit. I, I I think what we saw from him in the NCAA tournament isn't a reflection of his potential, but is a reflection of his weaknesses. And I think that's going to get exploited uh, early on in the NBA. I don't think he's going to be a great offensive player. He's going to be very inefficient. Um, so instant impact, I don't know. Defensively and rebounding, I, I see it. But in terms of winning, yeah, they got a ways. Um, another layup for you, Wizards. Or maybe not. No, wizards are, wizards are definitely still a ways uh, to go. There's uh, still a ways to go. I you, like, you I like think, that. Uh, yeah, I like Tyus Jones there. I think he'll be able to – he'll lead them to be a team that are maybe winning 30 games instead of 20 games. But I don't – I still say wait to see what fit – wait to see what, what sort of starting lineups they're going to go with. The wait, and uh-huh. There's still so much to question marks around this team. I, I, there's so much – bulk in certain positions and not enough in other positions there's just too much going on there they're still they're definitely still a ways to go they they, they have not figured out what what they're going to do yet but it's definitely going to be interesting to watch them i'm excited to see jordan pill i'll be interested to see if he's just going to be given the keys or, or what way they're going to play it's going to be interesting to to observe the way things move forward with this wizards team i i think that even though i have them in this tier also i have them in still ways to go but I could see them being a team that in the early goings of the season, they did this a couple of years ago um, where they just went crazy defensively. 
they could they could have a run here because I mean they got they got guys like Tyus Jones, Daniel Gafford's been there, Mascala's bit. I mean these are all ro- real NBA rotation guys, um, and guys that fit. Mascala's a great shooter. Kispert is a great uh, shooter as well. Gafford, I mean he, these guys all have legitimate NBA roles. They don't just have a bunch of randoms. And then you also got, you know, uh, Danny Avdua. There's his defense there. Um, who who knows what we'll get from Bilal. I, they could have a weird mix of of youth and uh, Danilo Gallinari making a comeback. I don't know. They, they could be a weird team because they, they, I think they just got just enough uh, veteran talent where uh, they, they might do some weird things. But, yeah, they're probably still a ways to go. It might surprise us for a month or two, but just, just – uh, predicting that all right so we still got player we still got uh we got rockets and fringe charlotte wizards firmly still ways to go maybe not so much for charlotte a little bit halfway what about the magic are they a playing contender or are they fringe playing they're still a ways to go i think Mm. I wasn't overly impressed with how they drafted i feel like they Mm. didn't target what they really Mm -hmm. needed not an Anthony Black guy. Okay. I like the talent, but I just don't, I'm not sure about the fit. I, yeah. I think they needed to, to absolutely shooting should have been the main focus for them. I think they, they need more shooters around uh around Bancaro, around some of their other guys. They're similar enough to to the Wizards. There's just a lot there's still just a lot of players, a lot of a lot of guards, a lot of guys that they can't really figure it out with yet, and that's why there's still a ways to go there yet. There's no pressure on them to be making the big jump yet, but uh another couple of years and Bancaro will start demanding to put pressure on this team to really start competing if if he continues to grow. Yeah. Um obviously that's always the uh the fear for every team who's uh picked a Blue chip talent, true blue chip talent. Um, I, I think I used Oklahoma City as a reason to feel hopeful about the pick because I think getting in Giddy next to Shea was a little confusing because it was like, okay, you got a a playmaker next to your playmaker, can't really shoot, not sure if you can defend, and then the next year you get another wing playmaker he's maybe a good shooter but not really a traditional like catch and shoot three-point shooter i don't know and then you see it work on the floor and the power of having three true like not true playmakers but one floor general and two really elite playmakers i mean i mean gideas i mean he's could be his own floor general if he had his own team as well but seeing what they do there kind of gave me a little bit of pause about not liking the Anthony Black pick because what gets me excited about him as a prospect is, I mean, kind kind of similar to to uh, to Jalen uh, Jalen Williams. And he's a six seven big uh, wing. He can shoot the three. Uh, he's not a des. He's not the guy you're putting out there to take volume threes, but he can shoot it. Um, but he also can attack the paint. He makes great passes. I mean, fantastic passer. And then you look at the roster, you got um you got Ben Carroll, you got Franz Wagner, and now you got Anthony Black. You got three big perimeter creators, big perimeter creators. And that's interesting. You know, maybe that's an identity to build around. So I didn't know where to put them. I, I feel like I'm putting them in the in the fringe just because of of Ben Carroll and just because they have 
they have enough defensive talent that I think they can they can continue to grow and rely on that offensively. You're right. I mean that the fit is gonna be to get a maybe a shooter in there would have made more sense fit wise, but I think the ceiling getting a guy like Black in there, I think that might have put their ceiling up a little bit higher. If that hits, I think that puts them right in the the plan contention. Yeah. Okay. I'll let I'll let, I'll let you put them in fringe. I'll I'll agree with you there. Thank you. I'll, Thank I'll you. Let you go there. All right. All right. Pistons. I you, you got to say they're 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 capable. If Cade's healthy, if Jaden Ivey can take another step, if this Monty Williams can have that impact that uh, I believe he's going to have, they they can definitely be a team that that are are at least able to win forty games next year and be right there and play in playing contention. Because because this is my game and I make the rules, you got to choose between the Pistons and the Pacers. Which one would be your playing contender versus on the outside looking in? Who who just made it and who's on the outside looking in? Pistons or Pacers? I'll take the Pacers to to make it and the the the, the mm. Pistons to be on the outside looking in. That's going to be a close seen, one, yeah. Seen, yeah, that would be a close battle now. That, but we've seen just a little bit more from that Pacers team. And I think there's going to be more to come from them for sure this year. Mm-hmm. The the Pistons are more relying on the return of Kate Cunningham. How long is it going to take him to get back into the groove? Obviously, he's got this whole offseason now, but he could still miss a bit of time at the start of the year. How much growth you see from Ivy? What what sort of way does, does Monty Williams want this team to play? There's a, just a few more question marks there. That's why I'd probably mm-hmm. just give the edge to the Pacers. Yeah, no, that that is fair. Um, so now, now I got to make you choose: Spurs or the Jazz. Who's going to be on the outside looking in? Unless you think one of them's got a ways to go. I, I figure you're you're debating between fringe or contender. Yeah, that that's going to be an interesting one, especially the the addition of John Collins. What sort of what sort of is he going to be have a role in this team? Him and him and Markin and playing in the same team. That's going to be interesting to uh, to watch. How big of an impact can can Taylor Hendricks have uh, as as a rookie? Mm-hmm. I probably like the overall makeup of the Jazz team better than mm. than uh, than the Spurs. So I'd maybe just give them the edge. But then again, the Spurs got Webanyama, but I'll give. I'm gonna give the edge to, to the Jazz. I think I, I. I'm gonna go go with the Jazz and the, the Spurs. Be there with Webanyama having an unbelievable rookie year, but not getting much else uh, from the team as a whole. Okay, so so no Devin Vassell love here. No, no Keldon Johnson love here. Oh, okay, they're gonna make some uh some Devin Vassell fans mad out there. There's a lot of uh a lot of people who believe Devin Vassell is a future All Star. A very soon to be future all star. I'll believe see, it when I see, see it. <laughs> um, all right, so now I gotta make you choose between the jazz and the thunder. Oh, thunder, hundred percent. Thunder, okay. Yeah. I think th- thunder thunder with growth with the continued ability, I think with Gideon and Shea leading that team and the Chet Holmgren coming in. I think the the Thunder could definitely be challenging for for top six. It's, Maybe if there's like kind of the drop off we saw last year with some of the other better teams that we should have been in the top six that weren't, that might have to play into their favor a bit. But I think they definitely be a team that maybe will challenge for top six for majority, even maybe up to the All Star break, and then possibly fall back into the play in. Then, but they're they're definitely 
taking them over over the Jazz for sure. All right. So we we got it here. Pacers and Thunder. Those are our definite playing contenders out of teams that we're uh, drafting here still in the in the lottery. A um, couple teams I could surprise. I mean that the Spurs somehow Webinyama is going to have a greater rookie year than uh, rookie Tim Duncan, and they're still not going to play it. That means everyone else sucks. Nobody else got better. You heard it from Ronan again, not me. I did not say that. That was you, and we'll remember that. Um, but I, I think this is a this is a good time to talk about uh about trades. We talked about the Jazz. You talked about Hendricks. No, we got no more time to talk about Keontae George's of the world. I've I've done too much deep digging, and I'm sure you guys will figure it out once you watch Summer League. Um, but how do we feel about this trade? Let, let's let's get get into the trades here. The most recent one: Utah getting John Collins for Rudy Gay in a future second round pick. Oof. Good God, how desperate were Atlanta to get off John Collins' contract? Like, that is just seriously, get this guy out of our team. We do not want him. That's 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 what the interesting thing I saw when I saw that trade. Rudy Gay in a future second round for John Collins. That's uh that's a bit desperate from from uh, from the Hawks. I don't really see what they've recouped there. It was just a question of getting rid of John Collins. That that was it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm not sure. I, I never know what to know about the, the Hawks from all their leaks from all their stories, etc. Um, It's definitely a financial hardship move they, that gets them away from the, uh, from the luxury tax. And we know those are going to be very punitive uh, very soon. Um, Maybe it makes it easier for them to try and resign Murray next year, but yeah, I mean, maybe that I don't know how much of it was just getting off of John Collins or, or his contract, but at the end of the day, for a guy that you know, I think for some, some other teams is going to command two first round picks last year, year before that. Um, and I suspect a lot of that may have been posturing as opposed to actual value. I don't think I don't think there are anyone actually dangling uh first round picks like that for John Collins, but uh, tough for the Hawks to be losing talent like this and losing fixed um john collins a guy who's been massively productive for them uh hasn't worked out and then you just looking back you don't get anything out of a cam reddish you're, you're not really sure what you're going to get out of hunter with his uh injuries if that's if that's long term um it's 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 looking tough for their core and they're, they're running out of guys that were supposed to be the guys to build around trey but on the bright side, Utah Jazz basically get Collins for nothing. Yeah, get to just check out what this guy's got. What do you think about his fit next to Lowry, next to Kessler, um, and their guards there? I mean, it's got a it's it's a, it's a big it's a big ass front court they've got there in uh, <laughs> yeah in Utah. That's, that's all. That's it. That's the that's the headline. <laughs> <laughs> big ass front court yeah like that that's the that was the first thing i thought of and it's he's kind of in a similar mode to kind of bradley wheel i'm almost kind of forgetting how the impact that he can have after like the struggles of last year and kind of injuries had a bit of an impact on him and obviously the, the hawks just had such a bad year last year you almost want to forget that year but you remember what he did as a player to earn that contract that he that he is currently on when he when he bet on himself he was a big part of that playoff run with the uh, with the Atlanta Hawks, and you like to think in a Utah team that still hasn't figured out what their identity is going to be moving forward, 
he can certainly come in and have an impact uh, al- alongside the the guys you know are going to be starting like Kessler, like like Marklin. They could uh, hopefully Kessler is going to have to kind of be definitely covering a bit on the on the defensive side of it, but uh, offensively, I think he can definitely have an impact with the way that Marklin likes to get his offense. I think he can bl- uh, blend well with him. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's really fascinating how they're going to work this out. I mean, they're they're going to be the biggest team in the NBA um, Lowry playing like this hybrid wing slash big. Um, and now you're going to be getting like two hybrid wing slash bigs with him and with, uh, with Collins. Um, I, I think they're, I think their styles kind of, they, they, they don't clash a lot. They, they do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, Lowry's definitely, you know, when he's, when he's on as a cutter, I mean, that that's, it's it's hard to stop him when he gets an open lane. But same thing with Collins. I mean, Collins is a far far greater uh, above the rim threat, and I think much improved uh, post up guy. I mean, none of these guys are really, really going to be prolific post up players. But it's it is actually funny when you think about it. That you you got two seven footers, and you got one big power forward, and nobody with really any prolific uh, post up game. These are all guys that are going to be. Uh, perimeter pick and roll oriented kind of guys and uh they really need a they really need a point guard so we'll we'll see what they what they get out of their rookie Keontae George um and that that's good you know what they did here is also really good competition um just to speak a little bit more on the jazz um I think they create a good competition with with getting in the rookies that they got Keontae George competing with Colin Sexton for that time I don't think they'll bring back Jordan Clarkson I'd, I'd be surprised if they did um and then also you mentioned uh Hendricks that competition with John Collins because honestly I think Hendricks I think he fits a little bit better I think he makes more sense as a perimeter switchable defender a guy who's and he's gonna have to bring that out of uh Collins because you know Collins is a, it's this is a free tryout you may be a a max level player 20 million dollar player whatever but we just drafted this guy in the lottery so if you want to play, we need you to play defense. And Hendricks can play a lot of defense. So it, I think there'll be a good environment here. And I still think they'll be in the lottery. But I, I love what they did with this trade. And they, they got, they got more young players, and they got, they get to try out a guy who, is a fringe All Star level player. And you know they're just building patiently. I like it. Yeah, it's the patience, the patience that you love to see. And I, I like what you're saying there about the competition. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be an interesting fit. Definitely a smart move. Smart move from. From uh from Utah, getting basically getting like you said a free free trial for a guy like John Collins. He, that doesn't doesn't uh, those opportunities don't come around uh, all too often. We got to talk about the two polarizing traits. One, Golden State and the Washington Wizards. Jordan Poole is no longer a Warrior, and I mean there there's just so much. I I really would love to know the ins and outs of how his relationship evolved or devolved with the organization over the year where the lack of confidence came from in the playoffs and just how how everything really just unraveled after a amazing amazing run last year i mean i i don't think that's a fluke i i think jordan Poole is a very talented basketball player who has his limitations as a defender for sure but when he's playing free it's just such a good player for for that guy to no longer be on what should be a championship caliber team, like something went wrong. So I, I, I don't know when we'll get this full story on that. I suspect now that he's out of town, maybe we'll get it. But uh, 
I mean, the first thing I want to get to is Chris Paul. He's now a Golden State Warrior. Two questions. One, actually just one question, and that I think we'll answer what we're looking at here. Does Chris Paul win a ring, his first ring, probably his only ring, with the Golden State Warriors? No. So I will question. argue that it's the best opportunity for him to win one, mm-hmm. but I don't think he will. Okay. Do you think Chris Paul will get them to the Western Conference Finals? What's the ceiling? I guess is what I'm trying to get at. What does this make their ceiling better or worse for you? You got to say it makes it better. I think Chris Paul has had a really high positive impact everywhere that he's gone. He has taken teams to new levels whenever he's been a part of them. Yeah, he's getting on. He's 38 years old. Maybe he's not in the prime of his career anymore. And a team like the Suns, who are looking to build a championship competitor, just were willing to get rid of him. But I would definitely say that the impact that he can have on this team, the fact that this he could end up being the freshest he's been in the last like three or four years come playoff time as as a part of this Warriors team. That's where you're gonna see the impact, and that's where you're gonna see just his high IQ, his uh, his ability to carry the ball and not always have to have it in Steph's hands. We're gonna see a bit more of Steph as an off ball player, even though we see plenty of that already. It's not like he's always ball dominant, but. I think we're going to see a, an even better version of Steph Curry playing alongside Chris Paul. Mm. And that, that's, I mean, that's a beautiful thing about Steph Curry is his ability to play with, with anybody. Um, and that's, I think that's a, that's a big conflict. That's, that's one thing to get into. I think the, the obvious way and maybe the, uh, as Wilshire might say, the untrained way, the untrained eye would see this is, I think that it's a great way to change up your style. I mean, you have, if Chris Paul is coming off the bench or if you're staggering units, Chris Paul brings in a much more methodical uh, style of play. Um, but I think some people may look at that and that's just less reps for Steph Curry on ball. And what Steph does to teams with the ball in his hands, um, obviously he's he's doing the same thing. He's, he's creating so much gravity off the ball and maybe, maybe he can do the same damage with that. But that's where I lie. I, I, I think this is a tremendous opportunity for the Warriors to kind of evolve a little bit and just change things up. And having more, you know, having smarter basketball. I mean, honestly, when you bring Steph Curry off the floor, you're running the offense through uh, Draymond or you're running the offense just through uh, the open floor. I mean, if, if you're just running a ton of DHOs through Looney, or you're just hoping that Clay Thompson gets hot. And then last year is a lot of hoping that Jordan Poole just goes crazy. And then when that wasn't happening, there's just too many, too many variables. It felt like at times where Steph Curry would come off the floor and there wouldn't be a reliable, safe way to maintain a lead, to grow a lead. And I think Paul gives you that. If you, if you can give him good chemistry with Kevon Looney, if, I mean, hell, I mean, if you could turn Kaminga into a lob threat, if you could, uh, find another big in the open market. Um, ironically, James Wiseman. I mean, 
Chris Paul is a year too late. I mean, Chris Paul comes here. James Wiseman is is still trying to work his way on the team. I that's that's the match we have to to help him figure out what he's got to do. Um, but I I think that this is a maybe not a home run, but this is a pretty safe bet to to help them in the playoffs. And he doesn't have to do too much. Yeah, and you always yeah. know he wants to play, but he can he can kind of coast through through the season if he if he wants to. Yeah, that's 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 the biggest element the 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 ability that you think you know he's going to be able to be fresh come playoff time, and that's the most important thing for for Chris Paul, a player at his age, and, and for the Warriors in in making this move. But then just quickly on Pulo in Washington, what, where do you mm-hmm. think his career can go from here? I, I, I like to believe that he's got the ability to become a a perennial All Star. I think he's got that scoring talent, that offensive ability. Just a question of attitude. What went so wrong that that got him out of, of Golden State. Like you said, maybe we'll find out the full story. If his head is right and he just wants to focus on becoming a better basketball player, maybe even a star in this league, I fully believe that he could become an all-star maybe as a wizard, maybe somewhere else. But in a situation now, he's still a young guy. As an offensive talent, he definitely has it. Maybe just the overall game. Maybe he won't ever be the lead guy on a on a playoff team that are going to playoffs year on year on year. But as an individual, definitely all star all star capabilities there. Oh, I, I I can't stress enough how excited I am about the Jordan Poole experience in Washington. Mm-hmm. Like how how completely unhinged are we going to see him on the offense? I mean, he he's going to do what he already did whatever he wanted. And there were times where like he couldn't because it's like, okay, that's Steph Curry can do that. Like you can't do it. Steph gets to do that. Not you. Mm-hmm. And it was a little bit too much of that. And it just felt like there's just this tension of, of timelines. Jordan Poole should have had his time to shine. Um, but you're not going to do that when you're a championship level team. And, you know, Steph Curry is, is there. Um, and that was such a delicate balance that led to a championship last year, but tough to do again, especially when uh, your teammate punches you in the face before the season starts. It's really hard. Um, I imagine if I had to work with a guy that literally clocks me in the face it and day in, day out, that'd not be easy. Not be easy. Um, especially if they didn't reprimand him at all. So thinking about that a little deeper, probably a lot better. But man, this experience is going to be crazy. He's going to be able to do whatever he wants um, within reason. I think they're trying to build something here. Steve Clifford is, is not the most... Uh, you know, he's not known for creative offense or complicated offense. I don't think this is going to be a, a situation where he comes into a team where he has to like fit a mold. Like you have to do that. I, I think he's going to be able to play free uh, given the, the roster they have. And did you say he's coaching there now? What did you say there? Clifford. Clifford's in at Washington. Where's my brain? Oh my gosh. My, my brain. Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's over in Charlotte. Uh, we were yeah. talking about Charlotte. Um, uh, Wes and South Jr. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping me honest. It's, it's it's June it's June 27th, my guy. It's June 27th. I, I haven't I haven't watched a Washington Wizards game in months. Cut me a break. But thank you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh we we know we know what he can do. And like I said, man, that that Wizards team, that that could be fun. I mean, you get you get I think um not I think the numbers will say it. Tyus Jones is the the best safe point guard in the league. I'd say if you want to hand someone a ball and just 
please run my offense and don't turn the ball over that he is the most efficient point guard in that regard. You got a guy like that. You 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 got the players on this team to put something together. I think they could be a weirdly not bad team next year. Like they, you'll have some Jordan Poole moments, and you'll you'll have you'll have a, a lot of these guys buy in. But they're they're going to be the team with the chip on their shoulders. And Jordan Poole to close on him, he's got to have the biggest, 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 biggest chip on his shoulder for the way things went down last season. For what I feel like a player of his talent feels like he should have had and i think if the wizards empower him i mean watch out i mean i I think i think on your level i'm not sure about perennial all-star but maybe that's his ceiling i that that would be a pretty awesome outcome for a guy that's been uh cast off from a team with championship aspirations i mean they they basically just said you know we need to win more championships and you you're in the way of that yeah, yeah, for sure. And what 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 about the big one? The the Boston Celtics it's just doing it again. I mean, getting two firsts and Kristaps Porzingis for for Marcus Smart and a couple of role guys. That's a that's a pretty damn good trade from them. Marcus Smart now over in Memphis. That's going to be really interesting. I think that's a, almost a perfect fit. Yeah, and obviously Jones Jones ended up in Washington. That's a that's great for them. Like it, it, this is this is a a weird kind of trade where all three teams kind of did pretty well out of it. Yeah. I, I think you, you might've hoped to, to get some first round picks if you were Washington. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but you know, I already talked about Tyus, you know, you're happy with Tyus. Good, good to have, can't understate how important it is to have table setters for a young team. Um, go, go take a peek at the Rockets sometime. Um, and let's talk about the Celtics real quick. This is pretty simple. If you if you look at when where they've been successful defensively, you have to look first at Al Horford. I mean, Al Horford is at the center of so many good things they do defensively. Um, switching a lot in the regular season, the draw coverage he does in the playoffs, and how I mean for his size, just how smart he is and how quick he is at getting around. And Chris Stapps isn't the same smart defensive player. Um, not as quick, probably can't switch as well, but in the drop, I mean, he's elite in the drop cover. I mean, Chris Aspersing has had his best year in drop covers last year, top 10 defender in that regard. And I mean, top, top five rim protector. And you got two top five rim protectors in the league on your team now with Rob Williams, with Chris Apps. You got two guys who are legitimately going to, uh, be game breakers, for other teams and you can have, you can stagger them. I'm curious to see if they can play together on the floor. Um, offensively, you know, KP can play more perimeter oriented um, with the, with the sets that they seem to like to run. You can just hang out on the wing space, the floor, the way they did with Horford and that replaces that seamlessly. And maybe Williams just stays in the dunker spot and they can work that out defensively. Not sure, but you know, that's, that's something that, they can add some versatility. They can add some different wrinkles in there. And and, and that's that's a really interesting move that, um, you know, there's no question about what happens when Al Horford's gone. Because if KP's there long-term, I think that's I think that's your answer. That's a pretty damn good answer for, for uh, a player who's been playing out of his mind the last two years in Al Horford. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm just excited to see KP on a on a team that we know are going to be in the playoffs next year. It's mm-hmm. he's yeah. a guy I want to see playing playoff basketball and see what sort of impact he has. And and it's an important role he's going to play because he's a guy you know can be a twenty point per game scorer, playing alongside Brown and Tatum, who have kind of lead the way for that Boston team. But when they aren't hitting at all cylinders. It's kind of a looking around like, okay, who's going to step up for us here? I mean, are we going to, we need Grant Williams to be hitting our eight threes and different things like that. Now, you know, you've got another consistent scorer who can, who can take that bit of burden off. I still think Brown and Tatum are going to be leading the way, but the impact that he's going to have, especially offensively and to the team as a whole, it's going to be really interesting to see if this has the winning impact that I expected to have. And that I thought they, that, it was when they kind of made the move for Brogdon last year as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it that move, it hurts for sure. But it was the, the smart move to make. Um, sorry. It's true. I mean, Marcus Smart, long, longest tenured Celtic besides Brad Stevens. Um, I mean, he's a guy that, just to give a little ode to to Marcus Smart, I mean, he has been there and is the reason that they developed the culture that they did. Big part of that. He's the reason that they developed this hard-nosed defense. And this is all with Brad Stevens. I mean, he Brad Stevens doesn't create the Boston Celtics of today without the Marcus Smart of yesterday. And the legacy that he leaves behind is this Celtics team that is going to continue to compete for championships. And while I can't even imagine the, like the pain of that, honestly, like how much investment he put in to, to making this team great. And I mean, it just goes to show how difficult it is to compete on the margins because Marcus Smart is a great player. He's a championship level player. He's a, (laughs) he's a guy that's going to make, the Grizzlies very happy as frustrated as, you know, as people can be about sometimes, you know, the shot selection or maybe the the decision-making, he's a fantastic playmaker. He's a fantastic defender. He's a fantastic locker room guy. He's everything that a contending team can ask for. Um, and, you know, it's just about the margins. And the, I, I thought that was always a move that had to be on the table ever since Marcus Smart signed that. I, I think we, I wonder if we talked about this back then, because this is on my mind. When he signed that team-friendly deal, that was not just not just helping the team to sign more players, but helping the team to trade him. That, that's what I thought about immediately. When you when you have players sign deals like that, it almost makes it it makes it harder to not trade a player when they're going to be outplaying their contract. And while the Celtics are in a better position, I think um, Marcus Smart's in a great position too. Look at the Grizzlies right now. They're, they're going to be without Jaw for a little bit, for sure. I know we didn't touch on it, but, you know, that's that's something they've dealt with in the past already. But you're going to have a team out there, ultimately, that puts out two defensive players of the year in Jaron Jackson Jr. and Marcus Smart. The electric talent of John Morant, the flamethrower of Desmond Bain. And I think you just you look at Marcus Smart out there, and that's just a match made in heaven, the, the culture that he brings the mindset that he brings, it fits everything they're trying to do. And I think that the leadership that he'll bring too, that's a voice in the locker room that matters. Yeah. That's huge. Who else is, I mean, Steven Adams is not really, is not really the type of guy, I think really to, 
to lay down the law like that. I mean, he's a role model for sure. And like teammates love him, but Marcus Smart. I mean, Marcus Smart is calling out Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown uh, in press conferences. And whether we liked it or not, I mean, he he's not afraid to speak his mind. He's not afraid to to have that mantle. And he's earned it. I mean, he's earned that shit in this league. So to have a guy like that on a team that needs to grow the hell up, like right now, to compete for a championship like they should be, they should have been. They should have been right there in the championship a couple of years ago. I mean, they were close if Jaws not hurt. They're, they're that close. People need to realize that. They need a guy like Marcus Smart. And at the end of the day, like you said, I mean, all these teams come out pretty even. And while it's painful to maybe see some uh, some faces go, I mean, Tyus was definitely a, a Memphis favorite. Um, Gallo didn't even get to shoot up for Boston. <laughs> but it'll be these will be good situations for these players and i think everybody at the end of the day is going to be going to be happy yeah the, to say that. the best the best thing about it especially with smart you think obviously it's big big to, for him to be leaving boston he's going to feel a bit down about that i think a lot of boston fans will feel a little bit down about that but for him he's going into a situation where he's going into another team that is ready to compete now that is looking for a guy of his mold to be almost maybe the final piece or to be the guy to take them just to that little that little bit more. And that doesn't happen too often. Often you see those guys leave the teams they've been on for a long time and they end up on a team that are rebuilding. They kind of get thrown around to a couple other teams mm-hmm. in different situations. Yeah, He's gone right into a team that fit his culture, fit what he brings to the game. He's going to fit in there, fit like a glove, no problem whatsoever. He's going to have a big impact on Jan Morant and a big impact on the team as a whole. He Steven Adams may be the guy that guys go to when they have a problem and the and different things, but Marcus Smart's gonna be the guy that takes the best players and, and, and pushes them to that next level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um big question. Is he gonna color his hair blue? <laughs> I mean he has to, doesn't he? I I'd be disappointed if he, has he to. didn't. He has to. it'll be kind of awkward if he keeps it green. It'll be a little weird. It's like keeping a, I guess it's like if you have a tattoo of your ex on your arm, but you can you can cover that. You can change your hair. I don't know. Um, I th- I think that about does it. Do we have any other? Tra- I mean, there might have been a trade. I've been on D and D. Any more trades we got? Nothing major. Nothing. Nothing really worth talking about. But I just want to mention quickly before before we finish up. I think there's a couple of of teams that are, are going to talk on that, that need to, that need to make big moves. That's, that's where I would, I, I would look at. I've got a list of four teams that are in a position to possibly win now, or they're in a position that they've had a good season last year. They need to make this move to take, to sustain that or even take another step. First of all, I'll go with the main one. It's the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They've got a reason to, to make a big trade. They've got a big asset in Carol Anthony Towns. They, they see that the other day. They're paying their three centers a combined $443 million. <laughs> Good for Nas getting paid. Good for you. That is just, that's just insane. The Timberwolves, I think it's time to just hand Anthony Edwards the keys and move on from Carol Anthony Towns. I get why maybe they are a bit hesitant to do it. They're a really talented big man, a guy that can shoot the three like him at his size is great, but he's not going to be the guy that wins you championships, gets you close. Anthony Edwards 
can be that. I believe he will be that. And he's not going to thrive playing alongside both Gobert and Cat. Cat's not going to be at his best, and neither is Gobert. And that's just that's just a mess. That's just a a nightmare waiting to happen. So I think they need to move on from Carl Anthony Towns. Get a true four. Possibly they'd be looking at like a second scorer slash star. One trade that I I I drew up. Not sure if if the Raptors would go for it. If maybe okay. they'd be sellers in this market, but Siakam and OG for Cat and Anderson and two firsts. Oh, Cat and mm. you got to remember, Cat's got a high. What first? They they have they have a couple more firsts. They do. Twenty twenty four and twenty twenty eight. They still own their first pick. So they would have to. They would have to. uh, I don't think they can. Can they trade that outright? Is that allowed? I don't know. Those that stepping in, just just throwing in throwing it. Maybe twenty eight, twenty eight then. Well, All right, even even if we're breaking Stepien rules here, um, th- then I I still think ah I'd still say no. I still say no. no. Not OG. I think I would I would give you, I would give you uh, Siakam and filler, but I wouldn't give both OG and Siakam. I would give OG, but and I I honestly think that would be the the conversation because the, the value of those two guys by themselves, which is it's it's very interesting. I mean, the Raptors. The Raptors, I think, are a team too that are a little unbalanced and could use a trade to create balance. I mean, that that's that's a team I, I think I'm I'm gonna put out there. That interesting that you put out that team in this trade scenario because I, I think they need to create balance. Um, but I don't I don't think that I don't think they're going for that. That's the tough thing with Cat. It's Cat's value is very niche. He's got to go to a team that that can accommodate what he's bringing to the table. Um, you've got a team. You you got the Raptors of their best perimeter defender and one of their best switchable defenders. That that's that's tough. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. What what do you think the cat the 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 Timberwolves need to do? And do you think they should move on from Cat? I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, we talked about it. Uh, I think a couple episodes ago, but that, I mean, that's definitely that's a change that needs to happen. You got to invest in uh, Ant, and ironically, the the move for Gobert last year was. I mean, that was what it, what it took, but. I, I think uh, another team, and I, I don't want to belabor the point, but the Bulls, Bulls need to make a move. They they need to figure something out. I think they'll just end up being status quo. We already talked about Portland. They need to make a move. Um, Dame's obviously sounds like he's being patient, but uh, it's it's tough to say. I, I think I'm not ready to uh, to get too hard on some of these teams until free agency has has really settled a little bit, because I think there's. There's uh there's enough money out there. There's enough movement that free agency could pose to maybe help some of these teams out. Yeah. What about what about Dallas? I think obviously they had a nightmare year last year. Say they bring Kyrie back, they gotta add a bit of off ball scoring and a bit of defense. That's kind of what they need to be looking at. I have no doubts that it'd be impossible to make it work money wise, but. The dream move for them, I think that'd be the fit of mold they're looking for would be Cam Johnson. He's entering restricted free agency. Money is the only issue that's going to be there because you got to think he's going to command a four-year, probably 85 mil deal, something around that mark. I think he's going to command, like, what do you think? I think Bridges got a four-year, 90 million deal. 
you have to think he's not going to be too far too far away from that. So they did create a $17 million trade exception. They could trade. They could maybe... <laughs> that... I mean, obviously, that that's a dream. That's a dream match. That's a dream match. And the Nets... The Nets, I imagine, as hellbent as they are on keeping McHale, probably still be interested in keeping Cam around too. But how bad? And would they be willing to add future assets? That's can they fleece the net the the Mavs twice? I mean, I, what what picks do the Mavs have left? Because they they could they could probably sign and trade that. I think they still they, the Mavs still have a couple. They didn't give up too much in the in the Kyrie in the Kyrie trade, did they? Was only two. Or am I forgetting something? Well, they but, gave up I a mean, lot that, more players, didn't they? So yeah, I think it was only two in that in that trade. I mean, that's absolutely a target. That's absolutely a target, and I, I think we'll. We'll uh, maybe go a little bit more in depth and uh, some targets for for teams and free agency in a little bit. But I mean that a guy like that is the absolute prototype of what they would want. Mavs have had a good start, but yeah, yeah, they need the defense off ball scoring. That's that's the area they're gonna look at. They have their stars, they have their their ball handlers, their their creators. Now they need that that extra element to to really get back into the groove and get back into. Top top six in the in the Western Conference. Then Miami is an obvious one. They need to add a score. Looks like it's not going to be Dame now. So where do they go from here? That's going to be interesting. Do they move on from Hero, or do they just run it back again? I say they run it back. I don't think it's enough. Yeah. Uh, when you when you when you look at it, and um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they run things back and they manage to retain their guys. Um. I think they'll they'll do the the financial gymnastics to make it work, just given how far they they went in the postseason. Yeah, yeah. They, they'll be a surprising team that does nothing. Hmm. Then the Knicks. The Knicks are are one that I think they got the first spin of the, the Brunson Randall led team, but I think we've seen enough from the rest of these Knicks guys to know that they need to add a proven playoff scorer. They need to add a proven scorer that can really help take this team to the next level. I think we've seen enough from Barrett, enough from Randall in these situations to know that they need to add that little bit more. They've got the assets. They've got the likes of, of IQ, Toppin, possibly even Barrett, possibly even Robinson. They're just that little bit. They're they're that 20, 22, 23 point per game score. Maybe if, if that means moving on from Randall. I don't think that that's the craziest call in the world. It's just, it doesn't feel like they can they can take the next step or even sustain this level with the current makeup of the roster. I'm lost on what to do with the Knicks because they're in a situation where they they prove just enough and they're happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a tough place to be in because you know you want to build continuity. And you want to push the boundaries of what you're currently doing without messing up whatever equilibrium you just created with the team that you have. Um, and it's I think it's it's a very fine balance when you have players like you do that aren't so seamlessly put together. I don't think this roster made a ton of sense offensively to begin with, but somehow they put together uh, you know, a top ten offense in the league. Like that 
who knows how that happens. Um, but you change too much and you might be looking at jumping back out of the playoffs like you did last year. So I, I think patience may be key for a team like the Knicks as much as Knicks fans want to clamor to make moves. I don't think there's a ton out there to make you a lot better in terms of star power, in terms of star power. I think they, as constructed, they're going to continue to be a playoff contender, um, but I, they're not, they're not poaching a star anytime soon. I don't think. Yeah. I think, I think, I think I'd agree with that. What about the, what about the opposite side of the coin then? What about the teams that are out there that should potentially be looking at, Possibly blowing it up this year, possibly moving towards more of a rebuild. The main two I'm looking at are both in the Eastern Conference. One, the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. It just feels like they're not going anywhere really fast. They've still got young talent. They've got the Scotty Barnes. You argue he's the guy they're going to be building their core around for the future. Achua, Trent Jr., even, even OG. Then you see there's definitely buyer markets for guys like Siakam, like OG, even even Gary Trent Jr. is a guy that teams would be looking at. Do you think there's anything there? The fact that they've kind of moved towards a, a new first-time head coach as well. They're they're looking at a rebuilding a new project, the new the new Toronto Raptors. Should they be moving on from their some of their major assets? No. I, I really think I really still believe in that core. And I think it just gets gonna take retooling. If if they can if they, it, it's going to be tough with Fred leaving, um, but you have you have three really great wings, three really great wings, um, and they just they need more shooting, they need some playmaking, and they have the they have the makeup of a core that can compete. So to so to tear that down without, you know, having a little bit of patience for a team that, you know, doesn't have any egos. Nobody like Siakam's not here. Like, Hey, get me out of here. So I can win a championship. Like no, no one's, no one's pushing. And you got it. Yeah, and you, yeah. And, and you got, you got time with a guy like Scotty as well. So I, I think that retooling and patience is the name of the game for uh, the Raptors. Whereas I think you're going to mention the bulls. There's, there's not a lot of, they've, they've hit the end and that that's what happens when you trade for older players and you, uh, don't hit on draft picks and you trade draft picks and you aren't smart with uh, the money and that's what happens. You shorten your window, you run out of options and you have to fresh restart. That's exactly what the Wizards just did. And that's exactly what the Bulls are avoiding. Um, that That's a whole, that's a whole long uh, cry session from my end. And I don't think we we're ready for that right now, but I just asked the Long question. Story short. You, you, you do you do believe that they need to to move on? Yeah. Do you think they need to trade both Zach and and DeRozan? Um, two ways to put it. One, from a financial standpoint, no, they just need to be in. They just need to be in the play-in. They just need to make a playoff spot. And the Bulls are going to make money. They're going to print money from a organizational, you know, fan standpoint. Yeah, you have to. It's sad. You don't. You hate to. You hate to see the end of. Uh, an experiment like that, but they they don't have enough, and they showed it last year. Just point blank, simple. I belabor the points too many times to to count, but it's not enough. It's not enough, and the Rosen's on the wrong side of thirty. So is Vooch. Levine is approaching it. Um, Lonzo's never going to play again. Probably Caruso should be on a team where you can compete. 
let these young guys figure it out and, and see where you go from there. That's fair. I, I, pre- I appreciate your honesty there. And then final call before we end the episode. Will the Portland Trailblazers build a contender around Dame? And when no. I say contender, no. a team around no. that makes the playoffs. No? No. No. No, the West is too good. We've already, that's why that that I love that you asked the question because I knew in the very beginning when you when you chose Scoot as top pick, top fit rather. Um, I don't see it. I really don't see it, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I, I love his commitment there. But long story short, he is not. That's that's not going to end well. I don't think could make for a great story if it does. But I I really I just don't I don't see it. Yep, I absolutely agree with you. I'm not getting getting hung up on that like I did like I did uh, last year and believing that they're gonna they're gonna be back. But that's gonna do it for today's episode. My thanks to Chris for joining me. Thank you all so much for listening. Still so much to discuss. Free agency is almost upon us. We're gonna see more trade. We're gonna see more moves. There's still plenty gonna be going on. But for now, a few major doors of. Uh, major questions have been answered we know where all the rookies are going to be playing next year we know what teams are still in a bit of a jumble what teams have come close to figuring it out and just remember that we will be here for whatever goes on throughout the summer and looking ahead until next season if you like what you're hearing we are everywhere at coast to coast nba make sure you follow and most importantly remember to take every shot and love every moment 